Hey, Adam, guess what time it is? It's time to crack the customer code. Welcome to episode 42 of Crack the Customer Code. I think everybody's going to get a lot out of this interview, Janie. So, you know, it was fun talking with John Murphy, international speaker and emotional intelligence expert, something I've never been accused of being. (laughs) (laughs) And he has a pretty fantastic Irish brogue. So people are going to enjoy listening to him read the phone book. If that's what we had him do. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what we have. Just a warning to our listeners. That is exactly what John Murphy is doing at this episode. He is reading the phone book in a wonderfully mellifluous accent. Ooh, lovely word. That is your SAT word for the day. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was really fun to talk to him. He's one of the top 10 executive coaches on LinkedIn. He's worked with executives and organizations all over the world and really identified why emotional intelligence is such a critical part of success not just from a business perspective, but from relationship building. So when you tell me I have no emotional intelligence. Which I do often. Yep. That explain the lack of success in my life. <laughs> now that's not fair. You're very successful. Oh, thank you. But still, you know, I liked what he had to say. And one of the things that was really interesting about John's approach was, you know, we dug deep into how do you get that downstream? So mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at your own emotional intelligence. But as a leader, as an executive, how do you be aware of your emotional intelligence and how do you create those habits and rituals for your organization and the people you know, beneath you in the organizational chart? Yep. And he does a great job really articulating ways to do that and how to become more aware. So I think really anybody, leaders and those working with leaders alike are going to learn a lot from him. All right. Well, I think that everybody is sick of your Chicago and my South Carolina accent. (laughs) So uh, let's get in a word from our sponsors and talk to John. Excellent. Well, we all know right now that customer experience is hot, but are you taking advantage of its huge potential to make your services business more prominent and profitable? Join Service Strategies for an informative customer experience workshop in San Diego on October 27th. You'll learn how to create customer success while generating profitable revenue for your services business. The workshop is part of the Service Industry Summit event, which brings together leaders from companies like Cisco, Dell, and others to discuss the challenges of a changing service landscape. Visit servicestrategies.com to learn more. And if you want to help yourself with the promotional landscape, Consider sponsoring CrackTheCustomerCode.com. We reach a specialized audience, and we do it twice a week. So go to CrackTheCustomerCode.com slash sponsor. That is CrackTheCustomerCode.com slash sponsor for full details. Now on to the good stuff, Jeannie. Tell us about our guest today. John Murphy is a results-oriented business coach and mentor to senior executives and CEOs all over the world. Before starting his own business, John enjoyed a highly successful career in the corporate world He began as a door-to-door life assurance salesman and culminated as the CEO of a pan-European life assurance company in Ireland. Since starting his business, John Murphy International, in 2004, he's worked worldwide across a broad range of industries. His clients include Pfizer, State Street Bank, Vodafone, and Johnson & Johnson. Hey, John, how are you doing today? I am fantastic, Adam, in great form and looking forward to, to having this conversation with yourself and Jeannie. 
Absolutely. We're so happy to have you here. And, you know, John, here on Crack the Customer Code, we often discuss the intersection between leadership and culture in creating a customer-centric organization. And I really liked your take on how important emotional intelligence is to leadership. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, it's it's really pretty fundamental. I mean, I think that, and this, these would not be my stats, but I think it would be pretty well accepted nowadays that particularly when you're looking at senior positions in organizations and leadership positions in organization, that, you know, going back to, you know, many years ago when I, when I was applying and started applying for jobs, which is a long time ago, you know, what they assessed you on was your IQ. And now that's kind of taken as a kind of a given. And the if you're looking at the balance between IQ and emotional intelligence, it will be generally accepted that the split will be 80% emotional intelligence and 20% IQ. And of course, when you think about it from a leadership perspective, you know, leadership is about engaging people. And in, you engage people in the, you know, the right-hand side of your brain, not the left-hand side of your brain. And curiously enough, I was talking to somebody earlier today and they were saying, you know, well, you know, the people are not working in the way we want them to work. And really, when you when you hear that, it always kind of rings bells with me that, you know, people are not connected to the vision and people are not connected to the, the aspirations, the code, the values that the organization had, the code of conduct, the vision and the mission. And these are not just kind of consultant speak. These are very, very fundamental things in, a, in any business. And that's why when you're talking about you know, having you know real engagement in an organization, then the leaders in that organization have to really make sure that they have developed the skills of emotional intelligence. So, so that's a bit of a long-winded answer to your question, but that that just kind of just as a very starting point, it, it is absolutely fundamental to to the growth and development of organizations. And so, kind of piggybacking onto that, John, how do you think? it's possible for leaders to encourage and develop emotional intelligence throughout the organization, specifically for those who might not be as connected to that executive level where they're discussing the vision and mission as much as, um, as they do. Yeah. Well, I, I think, Ginny, where, the, where, where it starts is that, you, you know, everything cascades from the top. So what you need to ensure is that the the people at the at the C level, the executive level, that they you know are very aware of their own emotional intelligence because we all need to understand our own emotional intelligence. So we also we need to understand how I need to understand how my behaviour plays out with the people around me. So one is one part is kind of understanding how my behaviour plays out with other people, and how I tend to act and how I tend to respond, and how I handle certain situations. Like, you know, how to manage your stress is an important part of your own emotional intelligence, understanding it. And for many people, their, 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 you know, their version of, of managing stress is to ignore it. And that's, that's not indeed managing at all. But I've got to understand, you know, from an emotional intelligence perspective, how my behavior plays out with other people. But then I've also got to develop the emotional intelligence the other way, in the sense that I've got to be perceptive about how other people are responding to me, but also to what's going on in the organization so that I'm really getting the temperature of it. And that comes down to having a very strong coaching culture. And, you know, when I talk to, to executives and when I'm working with, with senior executives and CEOs, 
I want you want to make sure that they differentiate between managing people and coaching people, because to a large extent, and I know it's a bit simplistic, but you manage things and you coach and lead people. And you've got to make sure that you separate the two and that the culture of coaching, where you're really looking at the growth and development of people, that's where you begin to sow the seeds of developing the emotional intelligence. Because if you don't have a culture of coaching, then the relationship is very transactional. You know, I turn up for work for you, Jeannie, and you pay me, and that's that's the beginning and the end of it. But I'm not engaged with, with anything in terms of the vision, the, 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 the core values of the organization. You haven't engaged me with that, but you won't engage me by managing me, but you will engage me by coaching me. And it really is having that culture from the very top down. And that's why you do need to start at the very top of an organization and to make sure that the the leaders at the top of the organization are very, very clear about their own emotional intelligence and the things that they need to do to develop it. Because, you know, for all of us, it's work in progress. It's never finished. It's always work in progress. And that they, in turn, are re-coaching their people to engage with the vision, but also they're coaching their people how to engage one-on-one with their peers, the, the staff that reports to them, and also the people that they're reporting to. So it really starts at the top, and then you've got to make sure you cascade it down. But you will do it if there is a, a culture of coaching in an organization, not a culture of managing, a culture of coaching. Absolutely love that phrase, John, culture of coaching. And it's interesting because so much of what you're talking about is really about the executive being self-aware and really understanding how their emotional intelligence impacts others in the organization. Now, I know uh, you, Jeannie, and I, uh, we've all been around a little bit. So I'm assuming we've all uh, you know, had some bad leaders above us and some good leaders above us. And I know you work with lots of executives from lots of different industries. So tell us what universal traits you see, you know, other than what you just talked about, what universal traits you see among successful leaders. Yeah, it's, 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 it's always interesting when you look at uh, leaders that are successful and you do, and you both read about them. And, you know, I mean, I've got my own podcast, as you know, and, you know, I interview quite a lot of people on that. And there are a couple of things that I would say that are that are um, common to successful leaders. One is that they are all very emotionally aware. They're, all, they're, they're aware of their own emotional intelligence and they are aware of what is going on emotionally around them, both in themselves and in the people that, that are around them. And that's kind of very much kind of going back to what we're talking about, the whole emotional intelligence uh, part. The second thing is that they are continuous learners, that they're always looking out for how they can learn more, how they can go deeper into into different subjects. So they really do have an attitude of continuous learning. It's never, you know, I've made it, I've got it, I've I've done it, uh, and I know it all. But they also have an attitude of being very open to learning and being very honest about the fact that they are learning new skills, new um, you know talents, new you know interests, new uh, piece of information, new technologies, whatever it might be. But they're always scanning and looking at for new things. And the third thing that I say is in common with all of them is that they have all got daily rituals. And I must say that's the one thing that I, I, I've learned from so many uh, successful people. And interestingly enough, I mean, I think the first time 
that I really came across somebody talking very strongly about it and very, very passionately about it was many, many years ago. I remember hearing Tony Robbins Mm -hmm. uh, talking about daily rituals. And, you know, I mean, I'd heard about it and kind of, yeah, yeah, kind of, you know, intellectually, you kind of say, yeah, that seems like a good idea. But <laughs> like a lot of things, you, you, you hear about them, but you don't do anything about them. <laughs> yeah. uh, I thought it'd be a great idea, but mainly for other people. So, I mean, I then really kind of thought, hang on a second, you know, I'm hearing this a lot. Maybe it's something that I, sh- I, I, I should embrace myself. But they all have daily rituals and they, I mean, they're different. There are some kind of common themes that I've seen across across all of them. I think one is that they, they, they it's always different things that feed people, you know, emotionally, uh, spiritually, you know, physically, intellectually. And for a lot of people, it's about developing those those rituals and discovering what are the rituals that work for you. Because, you know, I always liken it to, to, to golf. And I mean, I don't know if either of you play golf, but I mean, I would be a, a, a club golfer. And my typical approach to it is that I arrive, you know, I arrive 10 minutes before the tea time. I throw on my shoes, grab the clubs out of the trunk of my car, you know, get up on the first tee and wonder why I don't hit it down the middle 300 yards. <laughs> the extraordinary thing is that, you know, Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy, they seem to need to practice for about three hours before they get up on the first tee. But I seem to think I don't. And hence, they're number one and two in the world and I'm nowhere. And and I think that when you look at that analogy and take it into, you know, our, why do you have daily habits and rituals? It's really about setting up your day the best that it can be to make it the best that it can be and giving you that platform for the day. And I would say there are the things that I've seen that are that are in common, that all good leaders have in common. And they also have a great passion for developing and growing people. Um, and I think that, you know, that does come back to what we were talking about earlier on that the relationship is not transactional. And I say what I mean by that is not just, you know, I have a contract with you, you deliver and I pay, but that my contract with you is in fact, you know, that I really will, if you're going to come and work with me, that by the end of that at that time, whatever, whenever that time might be, but you have grown and developed, matured and have been a better person for having, you know, worked with me. And I think they're the things that great leaders do imbue in others. So, John, following up on the ritual idea, which I think we can all relate to that I, that feeling of this sounds great for other people, <laughs> but it's hard to <laughs> implement in real life. And how do leaders kind of tie that in on the organizational level as far as how can they develop and reinforce these powerful habits and help their teams do the same on that organizational level? Well, I think one of the important things, I mean, you know, it's it's different when you're looking at individual habits and then you're trying to instill habits into from an organizational perspective. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I think that one of the things, one of the things, one of the mistakes that I see happen time and time again uh, in organizations is that, you know, we, we, we try something, we said, okay, we're going to try something new. Classically, what happens is that the the CEO goes on a course, comes back and is full of enthusiasm and has found kind of the silver bullet that's going to make all the difference. And then he, you know, puts that in place. And then three months later, it's just kind of disappeared without trace. Mm. And uh, and that has become kind of the shiny new toy syndrome that hasn't worked out as well as we expected. 
So one of the things that I think that is really, really important is to whatever rituals you have got, that you really instill those rituals into the organization and you are absolutely consistent with it. And that comes down to, you know, the meetings that you have, what sort of meetings they have, what time they start at, what time they finish at. There's nothing worse than having meetings that are open-ended, that just drift on and on and on. Agreed. Because that, <laughs> uh, there's nothing worse than a meeting that, that is due to start at nine o'clock, but everyone drifts in at nine, then they get the cup of coffee, and then they you know, sit down, there's a little bit of chit-chat and social chat. And nothing wrong with any of that, but if the meeting is to start at nine, you start it at nine. And, you know, I, I, I would also subscribe, I mean, the... John D. Rockefeller had what he called his daily huddle uh, that he instituted. I don't know whether you've come across this before, um, where he he in kind of made this a daily ritual in his organizations. And it was absolutely sacrosanct where, you know, the, the, the team got together, could be on a conference call nowadays, you could do it on Skype or FaceTime or GoToMeeting or Google Hangout or whatever it might be. And they spent a very, very short period of time and they just had a very, very, they had the same agenda for every day. It was what's up, what's going on, what the daily metric was, and then where are you stuck? And you didn't get into problem solving, but it maybe took 15 minutes to get around. It might be seven or eight executives. But that was held at exactly the same time every single day and nothing, only kind of, you know, death or, you know, illness excused you from, from, from attending that meeting. And I think it's, you know, that's, that's taking it to, to a really, really strong ritual. But I think having those sort of rituals, having those sort of disciplines in place in an organization, having also the, the discipline of, if I'm going to say to you, Jeannie, I will have that report to you by Friday, that the culture of the organization is that it's not good enough for me to say to you on Friday, Jeannie, really sorry, been a bit busy. It'll be with you on Monday or Tuesday. That's not acceptable. So it's really instilling those really strong rituals and habits and behaviors into an organization where that becomes the way we do things around here. But it's also the consistency around the things that we measure. If we're all the time flip-flopping and, you know, this week it's about, you know, the number of sales leads. Next week it's about the number of hits on our website. The third week is the number of likes we have on our Facebook page or whatever it might be. And it keeps on changing. Then there's nothing that we actually hold as sacred of things that we measure. And it's really being consistent about what they might be. doesn't mean you can't change them going forward. But when you say this is what's important for this period, you mean it, you follow through on it, and everybody knows that that's what they're answerable to. So it's those sort of disciplines. But I'm a big believer in, you know, things like meetings starting and finishing on time. If we're having, you know, to have review meetings and the review meeting is this, not only just about did we get the thing done, but also about how did we work together to get the thing done? Because, you know, it's, it's how we work together determines the output. The output is the output. Yeah, I love that. It's funny because I saw a T-shirt online the other day that said, just got out of another meeting that could have been an email. <laughs> so I, I love the idea of you know, not only rituals but purposeful actions and per purposeful habits that have a, a you know, ritualistic uh, symbolism and approach but also that actually get things done and are effective and move the organization forward. So 
That's really great stuff. I want to ask you a question about emotional intelligence, helping organizations and people stand out in their market. Because, you know, people, we, we, we always approach markets as something very logical. And so much of the science nowadays and so much of what we learned in the last couple of decades is how, you know, quite frankly, irrational and emotional people really are in reacting to business across a wide variety of, you know, metrics and approaches. So how does emotional intelligence help people or organizations stand out in their market? You know, it's it's interesting you should you should ask that. I was actually doing a piece of work for somebody quite recently, and uh, we were talking about I, the, the research that I that I looked up, and I, I think it was Price Waterhouse, but I'm not quite sure sure I did it. But they were talking about um, project management and successful project management. And sorry, I will get around to answering the question that you're asking me. But, <laughs> but the interesting thing was that they the research they'd done around. Oh, and you know, a number of hundred different uh, companies in about thirty different countries with over, you know, something like three thousand projects, and they came down that only two point five percent of those projects got completed. Wow, two point five percent got completed, and when they looked at the reason behind it. What were the reasons behind that high level of, I mean, there were a number of different number of different reasons. But one of the major reasons for failure to complete projects was individual engagement in the, in, in, in the, in the project. When I talk about individual engagement, is actually understanding, not so much that maybe they bought into the, 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 the project, but did I actually, did I really, really understand which bit of it was mine? Which bit of the jigsaw, no matter how big or how many pieces there are in that jigsaw, if my little bit isn't in there, then the picture is not complete. And when we're looking at it from an organizational perspective, and I'm a great believer in, in a lot of the work that Simon Sinek has done when he talks about, you know, starting with why. And the organizations that really have got a very clear why they are in business and have got their people engaged with that. And they understand not only the, the why, but they also understand the behavior that is manifest as a result of that why. And that behavior is both internally and externally. And the companies that have got that right, they engage with their clients and with their potential clients in a way that makes them stand out. Mm. Because when you look at service industries in particular, not only service industries, but, you know, people talk about, you know, your, your USP, what's your unique selling proposition? And in some ways, people try and say, well, it's got to be the only one in the world. And that's not true, right? But it's got to be what is unique about you. And you actually make that into the customer engagement, the client engagement, how you deal with those customers over the long period of time. And that's what's going to make you stand out from the others because you know people still buy no matter what we might say and it doesn't make any difference whether it is online offline and you know for many businesses when i talk to them you know i don't really differentiate whether they've got an online business or an offline business because every business nowadays is both anyway it's only a different way of communicating with your with your uh, customers and with your audience but when you are looking at that it is how people will still buy from those they know like and trust no matter what Mm-hmm. They know, like, and trust. And that comes down to the engagement, the service, 
the way people get in, uh, get involved with when there's a problem, the response to it, how they actually deal on a customer service perspective, how they deal with right through the sales process to completion and beyond, and then how they service that client uh, once they have become a client and the sale has been completed. And that is when you actually get an organization that is really, really strong in terms of emotional intelligence because they then understand how they engage with people. And that's kind of where where people are high on engagement. Then they're really learning to be more emotionally intelligent. They're developing their emotional intelligence skills. And that's really where they will make a difference. So I think that that's, you know, people still want to buy from people they know, like and trust. And the know, like and trust comes from engagement. Well, that I think is a great way to sum it up. And I think it's something that we really reinforce when we talk about customer experience as well. So I know I, I'm walking away with a lot of things that I was nodding my head to as both a leader and somebody who's been on teams. So I really, really appreciate everything that you have to say. And um, where can people find you online, John, if they would like to know more? Well, they can go to to my website is uh, www.johnmurphyinternational.com and they can go and find me there and there's a contact page. They can set up a call with me there. Uh, or they, my email address is john at johnmurphyinternational.com. So be delighted to talk to anybody in your community who wants to kind of bounce any ideas off or chew over some thoughts. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, John. It was great. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. And I really, I was absolutely thrilled to have this conversation with you. Well, we were thrilled to have you. So thanks again. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Crack the Customer Code. Head on over to crackthecustomercode.com for all of our shows and the show notes. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Service Strategies, for supporting this podcast. Make sure to check out their informative customer experience workshop in San Diego on October 27th. Go to servicestrategies.com for more details. And thank you for listening and sharing our podcast with your networks. We would love your feedback. Drop us an email at thecustomercode at gmail.com or give us a call at 470-223-CODE and let us know what you like, what we could improve on, and who you'd like us to invite as a guest. And, of course, please subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher so you'll never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, we would love your comments and a review. And don't forget to quote Jeannie, share the love. (laughs) I'm Jeannie Walters. Read my blog, sign up for webinars, and connect with me at 360connects.com or JeannieCW on Twitter. And I'm not Jeannie Walters. I'm Adam DePorg, and you can connect with me and find out more about our customer service workshops and training at customersthatstick.com. That is customersthatstick.com. Jeannie, until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.